Today's episode is brought to you by The Gallery. Based out of New York, The Gallery is a curated collection of photographs from around the world. While we are all unable to travel, this is actually a great way to bring a piece of the world to you. All prints are made from 100% recycled aluminium, giving your wall that gallery finish. Right now, The Gallery is offering our listeners 15% off their purchase by using the code 15OFF. Go to thegallery.com, that's T-H-E-G-A-L-O-R-Y.com, so your wall will never be boring again. Hi guys, welcome back to You Can't Make This Shit Up. This is episode number 17. Today I'm joined with a very special guest. Uh, he's actually a singer-songwriter from London, and his name is Rose, so if you want to just... Bup, inter- bup, bup. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh shit, did I say <laughs> Yeah, so if you want to just introduce yourself a little bit more, or did I already do it justice? Uh, no, you've done, you done a good job, no, 100%. Um, yeah, um, obviously I said my name is Ro, um, from West London to be exact, Acton. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm an artist, an aspiring artist, um, songwriter, singer, rapper, um, and just encompassing that all, all in its, in its uh, totality, basically. And it, obviously, it's my first podcast, so sorry if I'm a little bit nervous. <laughs> We're taking this podcast for doing <laughs> I'll say like a little bit how we even know each other. So um, I first came across you at that night, the yeah, Mountain Jam party. Mount, was that what it was called? Mount, Mountain Evening Party. Mountain Evening Party, <laughs> yeah. No, because, I mean, my friend Shaq just asked us all to go, and then there was just a load of different performers. And then it was only when I went to see you the second time around mm. at Brixton, Brixton Jam, Jam. Yeah. that I was like, wait, I think I saw this guy before. Yeah, and then yeah. I went back to the photos, and I found mm. the photos of us in the car park. Mm. Oh, and yes, yes. Yeah, I realized I'd already seen you, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to bring him on the podcast, so that's why you're here today. So... Um, before I start, this is something that I just recently started doing is I just want to ask you, like, what's the most you can't make this shit up type story that's happened to you? Oh, it can be the past year. Yeah, to put you on the spot. <laughs> okay. It could be from today, yesterday. <laughs> Ooh, um, I think. OK, cool. I mean, well, you mentioned bricks and jam. So I think what yeah. I just say on that is obviously I had the first event, which was the mountain evening party. Um, and this is the one which was spoken of. Um, and then I think the next week, me and my friends went to the Brixton Jam just for like an event, basically, party. So obviously he was there. Um, and I was, remember saying to them like, oh man, it'd be so sick if I was able to perform on the oh, stage right. one day, basically. Innit, yeah. yeah. Um, and really just, you know, go crazy, everybody in the crowd. Yeah, man. And obviously we just continued the night. And then, yeah, man, three months later, I had the opportunity to obviously perform there underneath DJ Luck and uh, MT Neat, the garage, the garage legend. So... That's so I cool. Guess that's that's like a manifestation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's really cool. So I guess that's my um story on that one, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean that that's yeah, I mean that's like that is a good one because I love manifestation and mm. you basically spoke it into existence. Mm. Um so I wanted to just start from the very beginning. Like okay. tell me how it all began for you, like how you became bro, mm. like how you decided you wanted to get involved in music. Yeah, I mean oof. Yeah, <laughs> it's a journey man it's a journey yeah. so okay so um well i'm 23 now and this kind of began i'd say when i was a, a child in its essence um when i was younger you know i was very um into the arts this was acting and music to be specific um so i'd done like little performing arts schools and stuff that my yeah. mom put me in used to do like the singing the the sister act performances oh, and all of that type so are you of doing stuff, like basically. stage performances yeah like it was like yeah yeah oh, it was like singing dancing and all that's of that so type cool. of stuff 
Um, and then done a few battle raps as well when I was a kid. And I was like nine going up against like 18 year olds and stuff at the time, basically. Just, yeah. you know, building my strength. Wow. That's know. scary. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and I, but I think it really started from, you know, my mum. I mean, she used yeah. to send me into McDonald's and she used to say, you know, like to do like a little yeah. acting like, oh, um, you know, say it's your birthday and get a free ice cream. So I used to go there, basically. Oh my gosh, she was <laughs> trying to finesse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I used to go Where? there and I was like, oh, my mummy didn't get me anything for my <laughs> birthday. Can I have an ice cream? Oh my God. <laughs> That's like teaching you emotional manipulation from young. But I mean, that's good. So, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, thankfully, you know, I turned into to, to Batman with it as Why? opposed to Bane. But um, yeah. <laughs> she was just trying to give you some life skills. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I'd done that. And that was really me just, you know, doing the whole acting or where, whether it would be going to one of her friend's houses and knocking the door and said, oh, I can't, like, oh, um, I was looking for my mum. Is she here, basically, in it? Oh, and my God. She pops out from the side, go, hey. Like, what <laughs> the hell? Are these people here so that you would know? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. So like this would be her friends and stuff, basically. Right, innit? okay. Yeah. Wow. So um, it'd be that. And then this kind of built. But at the same time, I was, you know, I love sport, basically. You know, um, I'm six foot two now. And, you know, you know, growing up, I was um, tall as well. I was very physical into like sports. Yeah. Athletics was my main discipline, but I loved sports in general. So they were like two stuff that I loved growing up. It was sports and it was entertainment, basically. But obviously sports is a form of entertainment. So, yeah. you know, when I look back, I guess it was just being able to, to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, even when I look at my sport and, you know, well, I'll get into it more so later, but into the beginning of it, it was more so just putting on a show for people where they saw my talent, I was able to win and be successful. And at the same time, just entertain and have people roaring and screaming. I think I was really fueled by that um, yeah. as a child. Um, transitioning into high school now and um, drama performances, I'm loving it. You know, we're doing all battle raps in the yeah. playground as well. Um, but at the same no time, yeah, no, yeah. still like that kind of still like. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> well, hey, <laughs> meet me at the playground now. Huh? <laughs> oh my god! Damn, I yeah, to do I mean, it was, it was, it was similar to that. I think it was a thing where, I think I this is the time where I started understanding rap a bit differently. Yeah. This is when I started discovering. Well, I knew about Tupac and Biggie, but this is where I was like more like into it, and I became more obsessed by it. Obviously, I started high school in two thousand and eight, so. This is like, yeah, within that time of, you know, those realms of, of what was happening within music at mm-hmm. the time. Um, and obviously, you know, you obviously primary school terms as, you know, the whole nation was, was all like S Club 7 and all of that stuff, yeah. basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, so, yeah, I feel like even back then, like rap wasn't as big. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, now it's, it's the most popular yeah. music in um, youth culture, mm-hmm. um, especially in America and transitioning here into the UK as, as it forms. Yeah. Um, but b- back then it was very much um, bubblegum pop. Yeah, that was the shit I grew up on. Like, (laughs) (laughs) literally, like for years, I wasn't even into like rap or anything Mm -hmm. that was different from pop whatsoever. Really, until like I would say, like literally, until I moved here and we started to like see the whole like scene. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think. I mean, music as a whole, from then until now, has just changed drastically. I mean, even those who make you know traditional pop nowadays still like kind of at an edge to it now, basically. You know, to try and make it something different. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that kind of goes in with. Gen Z and the, like the whole cusp yeah. of millennials into Gen Z, um, but yeah, back then it was definitely that. So me just discovering this a bit more, you know, just liking the art of rapping and obviously singing as well. I liked R and B back then, mm-hmm. so I used to just do it in the playground, just go up against my uh, my peers 
used to do it, you know, there'd be everybody singing around, watching, listening, yeah. bring the paper in with dissing off each other. Yeah. It used to be like proper, you know, battle rap basically. Yeah. But at the same time, the athletics, you know, was the showdown every year when we do the whole sports day, you know, who's the fastest or whatever the case is. And you just go out there and do it. Of course, I was the fastest. Yeah, I'm just, you must have like, <laughs> been like an all-rounder in school, like um, most popular person yeah. <laughs> in school. You could do everything. Like. Um, it, it was, it was, you know, it was really, it was really, you know, those were my passions. Yeah. Um, but I think at the time, you know, I was getting an immediate gratification from the, from the sports at the time. I mean, 2008 is when Usain Bolt entered the scene and broke all the world records so and etc. So seeing that and being inspired by that really geared me towards athletics. It, you know, athletics in 2010 was really in a prime position, in the 2010s was really in a prime position compared to what had been prior to that because now within that domain and that sport, we had a star where mm-hmm. before we didn't out and out have that or athletics was riddled with, you know, um, sp- conspiracies of, you know, um, doping and all yeah. these different things. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me, I kind of went down the line of choosing athletics over music or drama at the time. And I think the reason is because, like I said, I was the fastest in my school, fastest in the borough, and I was actually going places with it, competitions. Yeah. Um, and I think at the time, the music scene in the UK wasn't what it is now. I think we was, you know, I think we just came off the back, in terms of the urban music scene, we just came off the back of uh, a genre called Funky House, basically, innit? So this is where you have tunes like, I want to party hard! <laughs> oh, oh, I don't know if you heard that. Oh, like, Donnell! It's like all these different yeah. tracks, basically, innit? Yeah. yeah. Oh, show me the migraine skanking. It was all of this stuff. You might hear it at a party or something. <laughs> so this is what was happening at the time. And then yeah. I think this is when Afro beats just started oh, to yeah. come in a little bit in the early 2010s with mm-hmm. artists like The Band, etc. But if we're talking about British rap and hip-hop, it wasn't in a level or a steam position where artists could be getting millions per show or they could really be making effective change or, or lifestyle or whatever the case is. So I think I was just discouraged at the time. Um, and I think at the time I didn't want to fit into this cliche of being another black boy rapping, basically. Oh, another one or this, that and the yeah. third. You see what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. I was very conscious of that. I think at the time I was more like, you know what, if anything, I, I'd rather be like a, a politician. This is about me and I'm really deep in obviously stuff within politics you know? yeah. um, rather than that just yeah. to create um, some effective changes to, to do something something mm-hmm. different you know all my friends were saying well oh, you should do it and you know why not you're, you're, not, you're sick and whatever the case is isn't it? and looking back I mean what like and what I said well I, well, I'll go into looking back because not really <laughs> regret but I'll say to anybody at any given age just to do it really and truly because you know it's weird even at 16 you know I thought you know, if I wanted to learn a guitar, oh, I'm 16, like, I should have started when I was 12. It's so, it's so silly. Yeah, no, I know. Do you that's understand? Like, yeah. But when you're an age, that's how I think because, well. you're, <laughs> because you're not older than that age, you just see yourself as this and everything below you is young, as opposed to, well, I'm actually young now compared to this, this yeah. other age. You get me? Because, like, being my age right now, you know, it's easy for me to say, well, okay, I'm 23, yeah. Ah, I really should have started this music thing when I was 19 and blown up and it's too late, I might as well get a job, whatever the case is, right? For one, where I'm whatever. But I know for a fact when I'm in my 40s, I'm going to look at 23 and think, I was a baby yeah, at the time. Yeah, that's what I keep thinking I was about. so <laughs> young, I was yeah. in my early 20s. Like, yeah. why did I not go for it? What was stopping me? And then I'll see somebody else when I'm in my 40s and they're in their late 20s and they've blown up as a yeah. star. I'm thinking, bro, I think I was better than them at the time and living with regret. Mm-hmm. You understand? Um... 
you know, and that's just, that's a mentality I just tell anybody to, to have just to do it within that moment regardless and whatever comes of that comes of that. But at the time, again, I just didn't see that. And like I said, the music scene wasn't where it, it was. So when I was 14, so this was in, um, I think 2011, obviously GCSEs came. But it was a choice I had to make as to what, what to choose and I got four options. And at the time they had that whole, um, this, this English baccalaureate thing basically, innit? Where, where you chose specific subjects um, you would be able to go to a Russell Group University. So it was like humanities, so this is either history or geography or language, whatever the case is. Now, I made the, cho the choice to choose um, Spanish over drama at the time, basically. And it, yeah, I was very to... good at <laughs> drama at the time. Spanish, I was trying to get yeah. that to go into it because I wanted to keep my options open, you know. And that is a decision that I don't like to say I live with regrets, but yeah. I kind of wish I made the decision that I followed my heart which was to choose a drama. I think at the time I thought, well, I don't need to do a drama thing to get into acting or whatever the case is. But just that skill and being in that environment, I loved mm -hmm. it. Whereas Spanish wasn't something that I loved. And at the end of the day, I mean, I could have done a Rosetta Stone at any point in my life and just learned the subject. You know, I came out of the GCSEs and I got a C in um, Spanish. I didn't get an A. I probably could have got that in drama. And really and truly, I've never looked at Spanish since. Matter of fact, after I went into college, they scrapped the English baccalaureate thing that you didn't oh, even really? need a language right. to get into Russell so Group University. <laughs> so I've done it in vain, you understand? My right. drama teacher didn't speak to me for the rest of my high school experience because really? I didn't choose it. Wow, yeah, she was no, 100% because they, they believed in me. Yeah, yeah. I was in a gifted and talented yeah. for drama, you know, and they put yeah. me in, um, they even gave me auditions for the first Top Boy series as well. Wait, really? Yeah, I went to the no. audition for it and everything. So it was giving me opportunities. Wait, when was this? Was this back when you... Yeah, this was in 2011. So oh, the yeah. first one came out in 2011. Yeah, my little brother watches it and he keeps oh, telling yeah. me to watch it. Yeah, 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 serious. No, it's really good. <laughs> oh my God, and wow. The, the second one in 2013 and the most recent one last year, as right. you know, um, they took a long hiatus. So it was really that. Um, so anyway, I went to 16 now. Obviously, I'm fully devoted to athletics. You know, this is what I'm doing now. I'm not mm -hmm. doing this, that and the third. Everybody's calling me the next Usain Bolt. All of that stuff in it. Let's go out That's and crazy. get this in it. Yeah. So I end up moving to Bristol at the age of, age of sixteen to follow that dream. Like the thing with me is, if I've dedicated myself to something or I want to do something, I'm gonna do that and I'm gonna do it to the best of, of my ability in the fullest extent. There's no half-hearted business yeah. here because if I'm here to win, I'm here to win. I'm not here for no Mickey Mouse business, as I like to say. It. You understand? Mm -hmm. um, so at the age of sixteen, I moved away from home. Um, left all the family really? in London and I went to go live out there basically. Um, searched it all up, got a government grant because of what I wanted to do, which was specialized sports and A-levels at the same time. I couldn't do it in my local area. So I got uh -huh. the government support through that as like yeah. a special ed basically, innit, yeah? Uh, managed to go out there and um, it was a great experience is what I'll say. Living in a new city at the age of 16 where other people do it at 18. You know, living away from home the first yeah, year. Yeah, that must have been like really like yeah, it, life changing. Yeah, <laughs> like it was a, it was a surreal experience. I think I don't really understand the magnitude of it until I look back. Yeah. Uh, at sixteen, for the first term, so from se from September to December, I lived with a family, um, and a few issues happened. Basically, I was loud on the phone one day, and then a woman came banging at the door, wanting to go to sleep or something yeah. like that. Oh, so you live with someone? Yeah, that family. was the first. Oh. So when I was sixteen. Because my birthday's in January. So from September to December, that's what happened. So I ended up moving out. Then in the last term from January until exams, um, I lived where it was just students, but the landlady lived in the house, basically. You know? And then my uh, final year, which was A2, from September, so 17, 10, and 18, I lived in a house where it was just students, just guys, and we could do what we want, basically. You know? 
So those experiences, the parties, you know, the clubs, the this, that, and the third. I mean, it was like, and of course, it was connected with the um, UE, the University of West mm-hmm. England, which is the university out there. Um, so it's like, you know, I really put my all all into it, but uh, unfortunately, I didn't reach the the heights in which I wanted to at that given time or that given age um, through athletics. And I had to sit back and think, like, okay, I could really work hard over the next few years, and I can get somewhere. But what am I really trying to do here? Am I trying to be somebody on the starting line who never, you know, finishes first or was never the top three? Or am I trying to be the best at what I'm trying to do? And my thing was, I want to be as impactful in something that I'm good at yeah. more so than anything. And it's, it's hard when you're young and you're good at so many different things. I'm talking gifted and talented for science and technology. You know, I'm going to mass weekends in, Kate, in Oxford, Oxford yeah, University yeah, yeah. and whatnot. You know, yeah. I'm doing... Um, um, like I said, the sports stuff, you know, going yeah. all around the city. I'm, Wait, so were you considered, like, gifted as a kid? Yeah, yeah, so oh gifted and talented, yeah, yeah. Really? I was in all the different pockets of gifted and talented within my school. They really yeah. boosted me up um, as somebody who had a bright future. So, Thank and you. when everybody, a different person from every angle, was telling you to do this, do that, whatever yeah, the case is. Yeah, that must have been a lot of pressure. It's like, right, well, which so. one do I do? Yeah. Like, when you're really just only good at one thing, it's kind of easier because you can really dedicate your yeah. entire life to that mm. and you can go forth and do well. But when you do, when you're so good at so many different things and you don't have that clear direction, mm-hmm. it's kind of hard. And I think for myself, I was very independent in thought as a child. And like my mum, she was a mum who works basically for most of the time. She was a manager at Holland and Barrett. So for the most time, it was just me within my thoughts having to think and cultivate things. And she, um, she was born in the 60s. So for her, like her mentality has mostly been to obviously, you know, do what you love to do. And, you know, just work at it and you'll get somewhere yeah. as opposed to, you know what, this is the one. I think obviously she was very, you know, passionate in herself, you know, for me to do stuff like acting and stuff. She really enjoyed that aspect of myself. Um, however, she didn't have that, you know, that forthright mind at the time to, all right, I'm going to get him an agent. I'm going to get him this. I'm gonna, you know, and there's no fault of hers. If you, The things that you don't know, you don't know. I think, yes. So second year stayed there and that experience as a whole um, was very enlightening um, however you know I said to myself if I don't reach a certain height by like the end of this you know then I'm going to put my efforts into other talents really and truly and like I said you know I think it was you know I look at it like this again I could have put in the work and you know really gone forward and maybe at this stage if I had continued from 18 which was what five years ago um, you know, been at a decent national level, but again, I never want to be involved in something that I'm not the best at or I'm not able to win. I think really will be at, at the top. I think really and truly how I see it at is, you know, impact. Where in my life can I be the most impactful onto this world? What mm-hmm. can I do that will inspire, change lives and, you know, allow me to actively through finance as well, be able to affect and change lives, you know? Um, but I just knew at the time that the athletics wasn't something that was, you know, going forward with me. And there was yeah. a few different reasons. There was injuries which, which happened. You know, the coaching wasn't to the standard in which it, it needed to be for myself. And, you know, it was so hard at that age to balance everything. I mean, I was living away from home, having to cook and clean. Yeah, you basically had, like, the uni experience yeah. before you were even that age. Is, <laughs> this is, and this is at A-levels, which is harder than the first year of uni, really and truly. Yeah. Um, and it's like... And I'm having to study, then I'm having to cook and do all of this stuff for myself, home home life. Then I'm having to, you know, be a full-time athlete at the same time. So when you're splitting yourself in three different, you know, parts, it's hard to manage or really give yourself full focus with everything. 
because at times where I was just studying in like in high school when I was injured and I wasn't able to do any sports that's when I got the best grades I've ever gotten because that's what yeah. I was doing you know home life wasn't an issue to me because obviously there was my mum woke, woke me up ironed my shirt this that and the third yeah. you know click like okay, washed the clothes <laughs> all of that how do you finesse I'm still dying and, <laughs> and then with the sport of course like when you're just doing that as well you're able to obviously become better when you dedicate yourself to something you're able to become better so you know, like I said, you know, Bristol is a, a, is a city, you know, nice, vibrant city, full of culture, you know, uh, great experience, great people, good community as well. Learned so much life skills, met different people from different yeah. backgrounds as well. It probably well. means a lot to you, even when you, like, mm. if you ever go back there. Yeah. Probably, I mean, like, represents a lot a hundred, of who you even are today. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. I say it's like, for myself, I definitely see it as a, as a second home you know, away from, you know, London, you know, yeah. and it's just like, obviously I want to do more and where I'm connecting with the city a bit more, I'm in and around as well, and I just maintain the free friendships and the relationships that I built there, and it weren't in vain, it was it was for something or a purpose beyond just the yeah. athletics when I was there. Um, but yeah, so I came back um, at 18 now, and it was like, I could have gone to university straight from, from college, but it was a few different things. Number one, I wanted to get into a good university, because obviously as I said, because of all of that, my grades wasn't the best. Number two was a thing where I was like, oh, I lived away for two years. If I go to university now, from now until 21, that's five years, I'm never moving back home. Like, if I've left at <laughs> yeah. 16 yeah. Um, and I go to uni straight from here, there's no way I'm going back home. Not because of any stigma, but just because of my own mental... Uh, you feel like you're going back Yeah, yeah that like, whole progression of yeah. I've gone here, now I'm here now. Yeah. Where's the next step? You understand what I'm trying to say? And, um, you know, it, it, was, it was situations like that. Um... And obviously, when I was like 17, I kind of had dreams of going to America and, you know, doing my sports there and having a scholarship there, whatever the case is and stuff in it. But of course, you need to meet criteria in your sport and you're unable to do that. But I hadn't I hadn't done that. Um, so I decided, look, let me come back to London. Let me just figure this shit out, basically, in it. Let me just see, you know, what I'm going to do here. You know, let me enroll into a college, do like a fast track course just to improve my grades. Um, and just see what happens. Um, so I'd done that, you know, from 18 to 19, I went to Westminster Kingsway College in central London, um, in Chancery Lane. And, um, you know, I came up with decent grades again, improved mm -hmm. my grades, um, you know, and I kind of shot for the stars, basically. I applied to go to Lancaster University to do marketing. Um, and my right. second choice was, um, what do you call it, Aston University, basically. Now, Lancaster, Brussels Group, you know, whatever the case is, um, but you need to really be getting the top, top grades with that. The other one, what's the other one? Aston University. If I put that as my top one, then with, with the grades I got, I would have got in, basically. But because I, I kind of was like, if I'm meant to go university, I'm going to get in. If I'm not meant to go university, then boom. Yeah. The, obviously, the smartest rationale would have been to put Aston University as my first choice. But I don't think I was really driven to go to university. It was just like, if it happens, it happens. Yeah. So I put the Let highest the universe one. Decide. Yeah, yeah. So I put the highest <laughs> one which was um, Lancaster. Now, needless to say, I didn't get the right grades to get in. And it wasn't because I wasn't, I'd, I'd, I wasn't able to get them. It was just my approach, because what I didn't realise at the time was there was, um, you know, an effect of not achieving that dream that I had dedicated myself to that was happening at the time. You know, I was slowly going into a depressive state, not knowing where I was at life or what I wanted to do with myself or what my purpose was anymore. You know, mm -hmm. when I was in Bristol, everybody here in London who was like, oh, what? You know, my nickname in, in high school was Rats, innit, yeah? So it was hey. like, yeah, so it was like, what, what, Rats has gone to, 
Wait, Ross. Ross. Yeah, uh, yeah. Why was it that? Oh, uh, I don't even know. I was <laughs> writing it on a pencil case one day. Baby. Really? Oh, basically, <laughs> basically, yeah. That's how like all boys get nicknames. Yeah. Like, just like some random. <laughs> no, it was it was um at the time in my uh, in my house we had like a mouse uh, infestation basically. Oh, really? Yeah, there'd been some like roadworks that opened up nearby, and a lot of the houses in the area was getting um, them. Um, obviously you know them houses with the little cracks here and whatever. Yeah, there's actually places. a rat in this house right now, like oh. outside somewhere. We literally just got one. Hope <laughs> that doesn't bring back like PTSD. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, I could hear Ooh. it the other night. I was freaking out. Wow. <laughs> this is a little okay. TMI. Uh, <laughs> podcast might have to get cut short. Anyway, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, joking. Yeah, so, it's not in the house yet, yeah. I think. I don't think it's coming, but we've seen it around. Jeez. But yeah. So um, I've had a I've had a phobia <laughs> of them really and truly. Oh shit. And the reason being is the reason <laughs> being is because my mum and my sister you know, in them early stages, used to scream. So me as a child, seeing oh yeah, that's how it happens. It brought that's, the fear into me. Yeah, that's how you, you get me. Yeah, yeah, as opposed to if there was like just picked it up and thinged it. Yeah, I think it like it's nothing, but because of that, it's traumatized me and it's hard for me to yeah. get that oh, out shit, of me. Oh shit, I feel bad now. Even telling you, me, like, <laughs> <laughs> me as big as I am, that small little thing. I'm like, yeah. oh, you understand? I'm trying to say it doesn't look too. No, that's like an actual proven thing that they did like studies, like like you know, studies psychology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, there's a really popular study where they like gave a little kid a rat mm. Mm. I think it was a rat and he was fine with it mm. and then they started giving him the rat with like a really loud noise playing in mm. the background mm. and then he like didn't like the noise mm. so then he associated that with the right. rat so that's what happened like you heard your mom and your sister screaming yeah. and you're like oh my god that's actually a scary thing and right like, yeah so like I'm a type conditioning of, trust me I'm a type of guy that will jump on a table and that when I see, oh, really? see a mouse man. yeah but it's a thing in where um so I think when I was in high school just through writing it I was just dazed in, in, in writing on my pencil case due to the trauma so I think <laughs> another another student another oh, student yeah. looked, looked over and was like what rats yeah that's you yeah man like rats you understand oh, and just like that that was it's stuck. Oh. So anyway, so they was all saying like, oh, like um, he's gone there. So there was that pressure. And I think for myself in, in high school, I had anointed myself as the chosen one. Yeah. But this came at the time with an air of arrogance, an air of, you know, I'm the shit as opposed to more so just, you know, passive confidence. Yeah. Um, and I think just to know that I went out, went out, done this thing, shot my shot, you know, and it didn't happen. But to come back and kind of come back and be the disappointment almost you know, affected me in different ways at the time that I didn't really know it had. So anyway, I come back and yeah, so I don't get into university. Then I think, okay, maybe I might do an apprenticeship. I looked into marketing apprenticeships, went for a few interviews, you know, some was positive, some didn't get through. And I was like, you know what, let me just, you know, set up my own little business thing. So I had a few ideas, you know, went to all different universities with this concept that I had some like social concept that I was going to build and I still might do it in the future depending on what happens basically um, I just recognize that where we have the complete university guide where you see all the statistics for mm -hmm. university you don't really see the social aspect of it you don't really know how a university is in its social yeah, it's hard to until you know go what you're into. So, you like, yeah. so I wanted to kind of build a platform where students can literally yeah. see how the the social life is That's a cool and idea. make a judgment yeah. from that basically um, and I went there, but then when I went, when I turned 20 is when the depression became a bit more severe and where I was just waking up, eating, shitting, sleeping, waking up, eating, shitting, sleeping. Like, well, what the hell am I doing here? What am I really doing with myself? You know? Um, and then I... That's fun that you went through all those like different life choices before 20. Mm -hmm. Like you actually experienced like a lot right, before. Right, no, 100%, like, 100%, it's crazy. Most people do experience anything, yeah. Right, so it was, it was having all of that, you know, being the one, but not fulfilling my potential you know is what I felt like 
And I think, you know, what ended up happening, I was in a relationship at the time and uh, me and my partner at the time, me and my girlfriend at the time, um, set up a business. We set up a smoothie business. And I think, no. you know, and I think it was just a plunge. It was like, let's do this. I think I had the idea for like two years prior. And, you know, us doing it, you know, saying I was going to do something and it ha- actually happening gave me a glimpse of hope. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, so, you know, there is possibilities that when I say I'm going to do something, I can actually do that. It can yeah. become real, like... I can actually have my own smoothie stall. We were selling it in a market stall and it done pretty well, to be honest with you. Really? you where, where are you from? Like in, uh, in my local market uh, stall. So yeah. Acton Market, basically, as well, oh, selling yeah. it. You oh, know, yeah. um, And it was called um, Dan Smoothie. So my government first name is Daniel, yeah? Right. But the reason why I call my, my artist name is Rose, because that's my surname, Monroe, innit? Okay, yeah, so, I actually saw this. I think yeah, on yeah, your yeah. YouTube, I was like, wait, why is his name Dan? Dan and then yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, <laughs> now I got it. I was mm. like, that's so cool that you um, can put that on your stage. Right? Yeah, and obviously, yeah, since you mentioned the YouTube, because obviously you asked me off cam a bit earlier about the two different, like, the channels. Yeah, I thought so, the only thing you had before doing music was YouTube. I didn't right. know about all this, the, like, the other, other one, stuff. Yeah, right, you so, really, like, tried a lot of things. So what had happened was I, um, at 18, coming off the back of going to Bristol, <laughs> my friend um, Curtis and I basically said, look, let's just do this YouTube thing for fun it wasn't even like let's be big youtubers it's like let's create some memories go for a few festivals and have some fun i wasn't even going to edit it i tried to get one of my brothers to edit edit it but he was like oh it's easy you could just thing it you know it wasn't really helpful so i thought okay you know what i'm just going to do it put it out is what it is um i put out the first video that we put out on the on the on the channel was actually my our last day of high school so two years prior i filmed the last day of high school i bought a camera in and filmed everybody in it yeah (laughs) and everybody had forgotten about that footage and i thought you know what this would be good footage for me to edit now, two years later, before everybody goes to uni, yeah. put it out, and then oh, everybody yeah. can, you know, have that last glimpse. It's like, oh my mm-hmm. goodness, I never knew this existed. I think I saw that probably actually. Mm-hmm. If I watched and this channel. is yeah. <laughs> probably most people go to the is first it, video. Yeah, so I probably yeah. did that. Probably saw that. Back. And this is like yeah. So that's when I was sixteen. I'm so glad I filmed it just for myself and everybody else because in years to come. I mean, what, three more years and it will be 10 years since we left high school, innit? It's like everybody can look at that and really, you know, um, you know, just yeah. get something from That's it. like the biggest thing about when you want to like start creating mm. stuff. It's like you can't even, like obviously it's good to think big, but like to think in like a real basic sense, it's like literally mm. memories. Like yeah. that's even me doing this podcast. I'm like, I just want to record stuff. So I have yeah, it. I like in that. 10 years from there, just listen back and be like, wow, mm. that like captured a certain period of time. 100%. So, 100%. Yeah. I think that's just really what it is. It's, it's, it's just making sure you create them them timestamps mm-hmm. and give, make sure there's meaning behind it, in and around it. And I think that's just the origin of what it, where it was. It was out of just love, just for going to festivals and enjoying oneself, you know. Uh, and we done it, and it became you know the adventures of Kurt and Dan, where we went different places and done you know different things, yeah. um, really and truly. You guys like um, grew a following. Yeah, you man, we have like nearly like four thousand subs, and this was without us even properly going at it you see what i'm trying to say we've done a lot of carnival videos yeah i saw we them wait i saw one and i had like so many views yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i know i know some of them are just crazy crazy numbers like six hundred thousand views did you guys make like ad money on those on um the... some of them we did some That's so we made a little change of it basically yeah. but some of the ones that we had obviously put music into which yeah, is copyright so this was what with us not even realizing how the game goes basically at the time so um yeah, but obviously, so I'm going to come back to the YouTube channel because, of yeah. course, we don't do it anymore. But there's right. obviously a reason to that, right? Okay, so all the time in this, obviously, we're doing it. And I'm kind of thinking, yeah, like, you know, YouTube could probably do something for me. I don't know. This is where I'm kind of more getting that whole entertainment side of things. Wait, so it was when you were still doing the smoothie business? Or like yeah, so okay. we, like, same time. So I've done the YouTube from 18 to, let's say, 21, basically, yeah. in it, yeah? 
So that's how we was really pushing what we was doing. Um, and just, just, you know, and I was editing the bulk of the videos, was putting it out. Um, and like I said, like, we go to Carnival, get recognised. People were flying from other countries. Like, we met a guy at Carnival who came from Brooklyn and said, listen, I saw your video. And I said, I have to be at this Carnival. Oh, my God. Yeah, because it has so many views. Yeah, it's how they get all the world. Yeah, like, people coming up to us wanting to take but, photos and all of that. I was like, rah. I think crazy. it was like, it was a bit, it was, a, it was surreal. Yeah. It was like, you know what, this YouTube thing could actually be it, you know. But I was torn, and I guess we like I applied for this mobile thing basically as well. Me and me and Curtis at the time, and basically we had got it, but because there'd been some technical difficult difficulties, so when they wanted to video call us, there was one individual part of that team who just decided like, oh, you guys aren't serious and red tear tear. It was a whole like. Wait, what was this for though? For it, this like was that? like basically the mobiles had some scheme thing that they went had on where they help musicians. YouTubers, this, that, and a third. So right. you get onto this, they can put you in positions right. to help you create content even better. Oh, was this back when there was like um, agencies and stuff that would kind of take charge of people's channels? And oh, no, no, no. They did have them back yeah, then. Yeah, because those are really big. Yeah, they yeah. actually, I know we got a few messages from them, but right. we knew that was some bogus thing. So we didn't do that. But the mobiles <laughs> yeah. is uh, a trust. They have the thing called the mobile awards and whatever. So the mobiles, okay. it's a big thing in it. It's like, it's a music. It's like, it's like in America, how they have the BET awards. Right. It's how they have the mobiles in it. So it's okay, (laughs) cool. So you see, like in America, you have the Grammys. Yeah. UK, you have the Brits. So they have this thing in America called the BTs, which is the Black Entertainment Television. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's like a a, a, a MTV um, for like black music, basically. Yeah. So they have the same in the UK called the mobiles, which is the music of black origin. That's what it stands for. Ah, So it's an official governmental partnered charitable thing, basically. But there was an individual who was. You know, because I don't want to state the whole thing because obviously, <laughs> hopefully, they do help. They help musicians out. I've applied for them, but uh-huh. um, it's a thing where he just didn't sympathise with our technical difficulties when we scheduled an interview call, and they right. liked where we was at and wanted us to go through. So, like after that happening, where we was unlucky, where because what happened, as you know, when you make YouTube, yeah. sometimes what you do is you have <laughs> so you have like weirdly you have two channels or two emails sometimes basically like the way that is done. Yeah. So I think Curtis had accidentally made another email, and that's the one in which the guy sent it to. So we never saw it because we thought it didn't exist uh, until we realized later. Shit. You get that's me? Really annoying. So <laughs> that opportunity got taken away from us. So it was mm. like, damn, like, well, what's what's what, what's gonna work? Is this what's happened? We applied for this thing. We should have got it if we was able to do the interview properly and now it's taken away from us where are we going to get this opportunity again um anyway at the same time done the whole smoothie business that was successful done a youtube video that, that year that was successful and i thought you know what? i'm going to go to university let me give this a crack let me do something mm-hmm. um, and i decided to at 20 um take up take up an economics course basically in it yeah um, but while i was there i used that as an opportunity to um, um join the drama society you know, oh, so, you got so back into yeah, it. so I was 20. <laughs> the last time I'd done it before then was when I was 14, anything proper drama related. And I thought, you know what, let's just do this, let's just see in it. Like, what do I have to lose? I said I was gonna focus on my other talents. I guess this is it. Let's see if this is still for me or if it's not. Mm-hmm. So, that's I, really good that you got to reconnect with it like that. Yeah, so I um, I done the audition and I went to Goldsmiths, I'm still there at Goldsmiths University in South London, um, it's in Deptford. And um, yeah, I basically auditioned and I managed to get the main part, which was uh, Prospero in Shakespeare's The Tempest, oh, basically. Oh my God. But we done a drunk, okay. rend- <laughs> <laughs> but we done so. a drunk rendition and we called oh. it the, the Tempest. 
Oh my basically. god! <laughs> I actually have heard of like yeah. drunk Shakespeare. Jo- yeah, yeah, like, that's like that's, that's what we done basically. Oh so do you guys get drunk before you do it? Or so like? how it is is one character gets absolutely pissed. Yeah, I've actually the whole seen day. these. I've actually seen <laughs> these. That's so what one? So yeah, so one person gets absolutely yeah. pissed before it, and then at the halftime, the audience then buys all the cast members that they want to see drunk get drunk drink. Oh my god! You understand? I'm trying to say, yeah. and then at I the end, everybody's just. Plastic Who even thought of this idea? Ah, it's like amazing, like, but it's yeah. also like so fucking chaotic, right? Yeah, man. <laughs> wait, so, so have you? Wait, you've already done this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was when 20. was this? Oh, this is like yeah, a few years ago. Yeah, so this is, well, the audition was three years ago. Yeah. And then we actually done the play going into the new year in term two. So I was twenty one. So I done we actually done it two years ago. So I was right. twenty one when I done it basically, and I think. Did you already drink? Doing that. I mean, I can handle my drink, basically, yeah. in it, yeah. You probably have to give me some rum more, rather than lager and stuff, basically, <laughs> okay, okay. yeah. But um, I was a bit tipsy, especially in the second show that we done, because they switched the characters that got plastered. One was, um, you know, I forgot the names of the characters <laughs> now, man. But, yeah, so that was really that. And I think that moment was like, okay, I've got something here. People's come up to me saying, you've done really well. You was amazing. This, that, and the third. You looked good on stage. I was like, wow. And I had a lot of lines as well because I was the main character in it. Yeah, right. The whole thing's... Oh, you were the main? Yeah, oh yeah. Wow. So it's like, it was really that. And I thought, okay, I've got something here. I've got to pursue this. So what I ended up doing over the summer, looking at drama schools, I ended up jo- joining a drama school for the term this, uh, when I went to uni from September to December called Identity School of Acting. So I was going to university, then I was going to the drama school on top of that in the evening time, basically, and doing these classes. Right. And again, I, I smashed it. I really sold myself in it. I said, I paid money to do this. I'm really going to go above and beyond and really showcase what I'm at. And I was one of the star people within it. And I really <laughs> elevated, <laughs> oh I really God. elevated I'm that. just like <laughs> laughing now because I'm thinking back to when I first introduced you and I was like, mm. hey, should I introduce yeah, you? Like <laughs> singer or now I'm like actor, athlete, yeah. like everything. And it <laughs> A was, lot of different talents that you have. Clearly. Yeah, I didn't and, know this. But. And it was, it was me really just forming myself into that. And I had a serious conversation with my friend at the time, Curtis. And I said, we, went, we linked up at a Starbucks and I said, let's just talk about the channel. Because these times, just before then, we had kind of done our own individual videos on the channel called Day Out with Dan, Day Out with Curtis. Because I realised, you know, I was missing out on opportunities and he was because it was like we had to be together. As a, But we don't live together. You know, we don't do, we don't live the same type of life and the mm-hmm. same flexibility just to do things, get up and go and whatever the case is. He was in a full-time job. I was more flexible. So we kind of done that. And it was just like, we was at a point where I looked at it like, well, what do I want to do? And what does he want to really do with himself? Because we started this for fun. Yeah. But now it's like people want to see the videos and it's become something else. You know, obviously I was putting in work in terms of videoing and editing some of these videos. And he wasn't as passionate or timely with it. And it's not a problem. It's just obviously depicted, you know, where everybody's head was at really and truly. And you change within what you want to do for yourself. So yeah. we just had a conversation. I said, what do you want to do? What do you want to do with your life, man? You know, what do you want to do with yourself, man? Because I know in high school and stuff, because he's, he's an actor, he wants to be, he's an aspiring actor. He said, I know that's what you, you want to do. So what's the whole point of this whole YouTube thing for you? You know, yeah. and it was like, well, obviously, you know, we can build this up and hopefully we can go into doing acting and da 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 And I said, but obviously the effort that we're putting into this is not going to give us the results. So maybe it makes sense for us to obviously focus on these disciplines mm-hmm. 
and really commit to it and where we can obviously do something which is feasible for ourselves you know um and obviously he agreed he listened to that and when i joined the acting school obviously i sent him the link where he could audition and he got in as well because yeah yeah, when you have like two people doing something Mm. it's kind of like you almost need to be like the communication is really important like you know where you're both at yeah you have to be both equally committed Mm -hmm. to it as well yeah um and it's never a problem if i'm doing something with somebody and their heart's not in it my conversation point of conversation is okay how can we help steer you direct you to a place which is best for you you know yeah uh, and that's rare really where we went to obviously we're only six days apart in age my birthday's on january the mm. 8th his birthday is on the second but he was in the adult group because 21 is like the cutoff age you have the under 21s group where you're 21 and below is where you're in that group uh, or you can be 22 and be in the adult group for right. some reason he was in the adult group oh so even he though a, he was the same yeah so he was yeah <laughs> he got put into the adult group where he was the youngest in his one yeah. and i got put i was the oldest in the child group basically the 16 to 21 mm-hmm. um and i'm glad i was in the one that i was in because obviously that was the last year you could be in it basically and i think i was really able to just to inspire and push a lot of the people that was in and around my, my age and i think sometimes when you have that youthful aspect as well brings you back into that element where everything's yeah. not so serious you can have fun in what you're doing as opposed to anything and I'm, obviously i was very competitive as well i wanted to show that yeah i'm the biggest like and the baddest here <laughs> let's yeah. do this yeah. and i really put myself out to do that um these are the times and where i'm having this desire and this passion for music it's coming back to me now because for yeah. me music and acting go hand in hand yeah you know on the channel we made a few freestyles curtis and i wrote them when i was 19 we done a few raps put one out when i was 20 um you know and these times 21 i'm thinking yeah you know I'm seeing the way that the scene is. It's changed. You have these artists which are blowing mm-hmm. up. You have Stormzy. You have Dave. You have Skepta. Grimers. You know, Flourish as well. Obviously, now you have like drill music, and these artists are doing great things. Yeah. You know, I'm feeling yeah. This is this is me. Mm-hmm. You understand? Yeah. This is where I'm You're at. like connecting to it. You understand? Yeah. And I think I look. I sometimes look back and I think, all right, am I? Have I only tried to do this or jump on this because it's a popular thing now, or whatever the case is, and people really making money and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I say no because it wasn't something that I thought. Let me try and do this. It was literally in my teens. I focused on athletics. That's what I tried to do. That was my career. Mm-hmm. If I was successful, I'd be an athlete right now. I wouldn't be doing music and acting and all of that stuff. It just so happened that. That wasn't my calling forever. That was just something that I was really good at as a, a high schooler. Do you get me? Yeah. And this is me really just revisiting some of them skills in which I had. So coming into it, I said, this is what I'm going to do. You know, Curtis and I um, went to a few studios in derelict buildings across the city, basically, which you would have thought were drug dens and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you <Yeah, Nice>. understand? <laughs> yeah. This is just like, I didn't really have a lot of knowledge upon studios. Okay. It was just like, oh yeah, I know a guy who... Who does yeah. a thing or whatever the case is and yeah you know the story is just it's crazy and sometimes you just have to end up in really weird dodgy yeah. places before you <laughs> yeah <laughs> and right you're just way. there in a the studio in a big yeah. building in big room and i'm just you yeah. know rapping and then we're just starting this thing off and i'm kind of just seeing so how had you been in like studios before that or was that like your first that was probably my first proper yeah. studio that i'd ever been in like that i would say yeah and it was just like i was just obviously talking with the guys and it was just a, a conversation of you know you know, like Curtis has, has been my number one fan and supporter with this. He's been really riding and really wants to see me like away from him being a part of anything or getting any financial gain from me, you know, through mm-hmm. an association or us having a brand or whatever the case is. 
he's really been somebody that's been batting my corner, really and truly. Even when we wasn't the closest of friends in high school, he'd always been wanting me to do this music thing. I mean, I got videos of when I was 14 rapping, and you see him in the background when I'm doing Sorry, the diss raps like and stuff. Hype, you understand? <laughs> yeah. You know, and then my my friend Paul, I've been close friends with him, you know, since I was 11. This is the other guy that you saw on stage on the right. last one. You see, okay. I brought two of them. On, yeah. You know? So his name's Paul, but his right. nickname's Lossy, okay. yeah, because in high school people used yeah. to call him Paulos. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's been my friend for the for the longest, really. So we've been exclusive friends for um, for the last twelve years, I would say. Okay. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah, and then Curtis, I'd say, from sixteen when we left high schools and we properly bond bonded and yeah. built an actual friendship beyond that. Um, they say if you're friends with, with someone for more than seven years, you're friends for life. So. Yeah, really. Yeah. yeah. So you guys are good for life, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's like. Um, I basically was just talking to them. It's just all conversations. Like me just talking to you, saying, listen, I'm trying to do this thing and whatever the case is, you know, what do you think? Then you're giving me good advice and you're like, yeah, man, well, you could do this and this. I'm like, oh, you got a point, you know? Well, mm -hmm. you, have, you seem to have an aptitude for this type of stuff, man. And it was really a thing where I basically said to the guys, maybe we should just create something. You know, why don't we just try something and create something? And, you know, we're in a position in where nobody's going to put us in a mm -hmm. position other than themselves. We have no connects, no nothing. We have to build from the ground up and really make this thing happen and we got to do it ourselves yeah. you know and of course this is an ongoing story and this is so this is all up until now basically and we basically decided to form something we had no name we didn't know what we was going to call ourselves and i said don't worry about the name we have the concept and we have that belief within us yeah and that's what it would be there was a few different names of what to call it it was going to be what iconic records or icon and this that and the third and i thought yeah i'm sure that exists somewhere else kind of like normal and yeah. kind of a bit cheesy okay, people to throw me. that word around kind of like you get me yeah. Yeah, yeah it's like <laughs> yeah. a little bit but i thought but one day it just came to like me basically and i thought promise i thought promise and i basically sold it to the guys i said what it means i said for me you know promises to have promise to have that belief within oneself that you're going to do great great things in your life it's the potential mm -hmm. literally it means the potential for greatness i said we're not at a position yet in which we're anything you know we're not icons right now we have the ability to we have the promise to be icons and everybody in every walk of life has always evolved into that next stage they might have achieved something but now they want to do this next thing to have promises and ever go in everlasting thing mm -hmm. it's to to, to strive and go and, yeah. and gain, you know, your greatest potential in life, you know. And that's where the name was cemented, you know, amongst us. And it was like, yeah, this is it, you know. And we kind of really understood some of our strengths as, as three people. I mean, we have other friends and extended friends where we could have made this something bigger and rather than just, you know, the, 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 the three of us. Um, but And when I say the three of us, this is just in terms of the organization of it. Of course, it extends, the family as a whole extends beyond just us three. Right. And there's not no hierarchical position in where it's me, this, that, and the third. Like anybody who's in, a, in or associated with Promise as a whole is equal in my eyes. You see what I'm trying to say? Hence why if somebody was to ask me, I'd say, I'm just obviously an artist. And obviously I back and represent, you know, Promise in a sense, as opposed to the role in which I actually play within it is, is the marketing director. Well, I right. focus on how we market the brand and put it out, you know, some of the stuff in which we, you know, uh, put in and around it. Yeah. You know, my friend Paul, he's the um, uh, business director. He deals with, okay, how are ways in which we can actually make this profitable? How can we begin to do that over the years? How can we, you know, drop things at the right time to, to make everything mesh? And then obviously Curtis is the operational director. Okay, cool. So we need this. I'm going to go and get that. We'll bring it forth to the table. These are the options. Right, we need a logo. All right, these are the different shortlists and what it is. And this is how we've kind of formed it 
um, as, as us three to our strengths and what we've done. Uh, and it was a bit rocky in the beginning. Um, we had to go to a lot of industry, yeah. you know, events um, and um, conferences and summits just to understand how it works mm-hmm. a little bit. We're still, we're still young. I'm still baby in this thing. We're still naive as to how this whole thing works. Somebody my age would really just be signed to a label and they take care of everything. And I'm not obtuse to that um, or locking that off, but I just need a good knowledge of what I'm getting myself into before yeah. I get into it. Just the music industry as a whole um, can be very cutthroat if you don't know how to navigate yourself throughout it or do the right deal. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, with anything. It's like, you know? it's like a lot. Yeah. Like it's with anything. If you're yeah. somebody who does sports and you have a bad agent, you'll be undervalued your true worth within what you can provide to a club so for myself i need to make sure like this whole process of which i'm in now is building my value and my worth to leverage myself that if i'm doing something with a label if i want to get that international global appeal Mm -hmm. i'm getting what i'm actually worth rather than being undercut and or only getting fifteen thousand pounds from a record that sold something like two million copies or something that's just not flying for me you see what i'm trying to say yeah it's cool Uh, that you guys get to all do it together yeah you guys obviously all know each other so you'll be able to bring out yeah strengths as you were saying 100 percent. it's that level of trust and i think is that level of honesty when somebody's slacking or there's a true issue with one another we know what it is at the end of the day um and it's not and it's just us working in partnership i'm not under management but we work as a team to get things done, basically. Um, and that's how the inception of Promise came, really and truly, you know. So we've got myself, and I was obviously thinking of names as well. And I just thought, you know what, at the end of the day, I just want to be myself. I don't want to be a young this or this, <laughs> that. I want to yeah. be myself. And I looked at my names and I saw Ro. And I said, that's it. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's weird. It's like people, sometimes it's hard for people to really like really cement themselves in a name like other than yourself they'll be like oh yeah i can see that that sounds nice but with every brand and this is just me from my marketing knowledge it's not about what the name is it's about the value that you give the name you understand is what the meaning you put behind that that name or that face as to what then gives it its esteem yeah no definitely yeah um and i think that's really what i've been working on and you know the journey going into 2019 was um, with the drama um, school. I ended up leaving it because I went back to university and they'd done a reshuffling of classes where I would have just repeated some classes. I might go back to it in the future, but for now I made an active decision that I want to focus on building myself up as an artist. Yeah. Because with as an artist and a musician, you're on a stricter time frame of you know your success or your come up compared to music. Um, compared to acting, acting mm-hmm. you could be a successful actor and blow up when you're in your thirties. Yeah. With music. I feel like a lot of actors do. Yeah, hundred percent. Like with music, is really a thing where you got to get in when you're young, Mm -hmm. like because you're appealing to the young market. Yeah. If you're like, it's hard for you to become a new successful artist at forty and get everybody. Just seldom happens. (laughs) Yeah. And people at that age as well don't really buy music like that Mm -hmm. because obviously young people are more frivolous um, with their money. They you know, finger out yeah. here, there, they buy clothes, they go concerts, they're the ones who are spending crazy. everything, you understand? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas the older generation, they got bills and they got kids now. Yeah. They can't afford <laughs> to do that. Do you yeah. see what I'm Yeah, that tends to be how it goes. Like, mm-hmm. even like my parents are like, oh, we don't have time for music now. So right. It's like, wait, what though? You just like put it on play. Yeah. But I guess it is just a thing. Like, you just don't think of it as much. Like, young people are a lot more motivated. Right, 100%. And, like, and, and obviously they, you know, youth is all about, you know, popular culture. That's what drives popular culture. What's mm-hmm. the end thing? What's cool? The crazes. We're looking at TikTok. We're looking at Triller. We're yeah. looking at everything. It's all run by, you know, millennials and Gen Z now who are coming up. 
And for me, I'm the I'm on the cusp of yeah, millennial you, and Gen Z. Yeah, basically. are you 1997? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'm technically Gen yeah, Z. Yeah, that's basically. technically Gen Z. I only saw that recently. I was like, wait, like, so Gen Z is literally technically like most of my friends are Gen Z, but right. then I'm millennial because I'm 94. But it doesn't right. really make sense because it's like mm. I feel like we're still in the same yeah, like, age really range. Yeah, I is guess it, we just it's can't of, like obviously technically there has to be some type of cutoff, point, know, but yeah. it, there's a blurred line in it. I feel like the Gen Zs are the teenagers right now, like right, unless right, you right. consider yourself a teenager. No, I definitely, you know, agree and, and hear what you're saying, man. I mean. I mean, obviously, well, you got to deep it, though. Those who were born in 2000 are 20 now. I know, that's so Zane. weird. <laughs> I find that so weird to believe. So, like, <laughs> I still feel like they're babies. Like yeah, yeah. 10 so max. Like, it's like, <laughs> 10 know. max, you know. It's hard to process that. So <laughs> it's just, it's like, just understanding where I fit within um, all of this and where I want to I wanna be. It's just really understanding the market of, you know, millennial, which is from 1981 to 1996. And then Gen Z, which is from 97 to early 2010s. And um, really just recognizing where I fit within that. You know, it's really important as a musician to get in again whilst you're young. You understand? Whilst you're in your mid, like early to mid 20s, it's like prime low times to really be a popular artist. Yeah. You see what I'm trying to say? And then you can keep that momentum going that when you're in your 30s and you're established, you're able to do things like how Adele, she's in her 30s and she's yeah. still success. She's massive. Mm -hmm. You know, Drake, Rihanna. Yeah, some people you know, do end Taylor up like Swift. blowing up in their yeah. 30s in a way, but they yeah. always start out. Like, yeah, it's about starting. Yeah. You have yeah. to start at this stage where you're yeah. relatively known. But mega stardom comes when you're in your 30s. Mm -hmm. It's like anything. You have to build credentials. It's not just about one hit. It's a series of hits. Then it's about, you know, how you, you impact culture and the things you do along the way to cement yourself within the yeah. fabric of the scene. So I understood like, you know, with, with music, it's a tougher, uh, it's a harder, you know, task because you 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 yourself are the business, you're the brand. It's Go. really cool how you, like, see all the business. Obviously, you have to, like, be into the whole business aspect of music. Because yeah, yeah. sometimes I'm like, oh, you just need, you need to, like, you know, find out what you like and then go with that. But you right. actually have to be smart and know... Yeah, like your de like the people that you appeal to, you're like your target audience. I right, hundred percent. Right. I'm just in a position where I have to, and it it's not that I want to. Obviously, it's good to have a, an essence of knowledge you know to navigate, but really and truly, I prefer to have trusted people around me who have these skills and this knowledge and where they can obviously just deal with all that stuff. Because for me as an artist, the greatest thing that I can do is focus on the art and create great quality sound and music and continue yeah. to evolve that and evolve different sounds which really resonate within people's souls and really allow them to come to the shows, experience the music and it does something for them. I can do all the business stuff in this in front of you but the quality at the end of the day is the most important thing. And if I just obviously have a basis of knowledge of what I can do independently now, when it comes that time to where the team expands and or there's professionals that come onto the team and or assign to a label yeah. or whatever the case is, then of course we can then do it a different way. But as long as I'm building that foundation, that's what's needed for it to be strong enough to obviously then build the house on top of that come the time. Um, but yeah, we was doing all of these different things as a team. And then when we um, hit the summertime, it was like, All right, cool, let's go. And um, August is when I announced myself. You know, I, I released a freestyle. Um, this last August. Yeah, okay. yeah, and it yeah. was the freestyle. I was like, allow me to reintroduce oh, myself. Yeah, My name is Ro. <laughs> I feel like I'm about your show right now. <laughs> yeah, and for that, it was like, you know, you need to know. Like, everybody knows me for this athletics. You know me for all this stuff. You know, let me introduce That's myself. Do you think it makes sense that you did athletics? Like, obviously, you're tall, whatever, but mm. I know, like... I just, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I just thought you always were doing music. I yeah, know. I know. I mean, this is the thing. When I talk to people now, it's like, like, and when I say certain bars and lyrics and I do it for them, it's like, well, how come you wasn't doing this earlier? How long have you been doing this? You understand? Because mm -hmm. it's like, 
I guess from their opinion, it's like, I'm good at what I do or I have potential to even be better, whatever the case is. And it's like, well, where was this all the time? You understand? But, you know, that's just what I was driving for. Like, when you get that thrill of you crossing the line and you're the winner and everybody's screaming your name, it's, it's a feeling, you know, unbeknownst to most. You yeah. understand? And it's and really and truly, to keep it honest with you, that's a feeling that I'm still chasing within music that I haven't gotten yet. But there's only a few different reasons. Because of the work that I put in within the with athletics, it wasn't about winning. Because if I was racing against toddlers and I won, I was not going to be screaming and shouting. <laughs> yeah. With every win... What makes the win powerful, and what, what what makes the win, um, you know, worth it is the journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, it's always the journey. Is you understanding is. everything you had to do yeah. to get to this point as to why this means so much yeah. to you. You having to you me vomiting on the track, me flipping almost you know crying because <laughs> of the the sessions how hard they are, me putting the work day in day out for me to come here yeah. and claim my victory. You understand? And I think it's a feeling in which I'd get with music when I've met certain milestones in it. When I've released a project, it's done really well. When I release an album and I get the number one album in the country, where, you know, and this is the thing, I haven't released any music officially yet or on any platforms yet, if you deep it, up until recently, kind of, and we'll get into that. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, for me, I really want to focus on my support base. I could have done it. It's always weird. I've done it backwards, where I could have put out something, people heard it and come, but I was like, nah. I'm going to really talk to you one-to-one and say, I have the show. I'd like for you to come. Come and check me out or whatever the case is. We're hosting this thing. Yeah, no problem. I'll come. And as you know, with the Mountain Evening Party, that was a free event. We just walked yeah, That in, was actually such a fun night through. as well. <laughs> Wait, so who organized that then? Was that? It was us three. Oh my we God, so you guys organized the whole thing? Yeah. So yeah, because I was going to ask you, so like Promise Label, basically, like what's the main goal for it? Is it okay. kind of to organize events? And so like... with the Promise Missions statement, like the short term and long term, long term is for us to be able to impact communities and people in and around us, you know, allowing them to fulfill their promise, you know, whatever their potential greatness is, whether it's within arts, sports, whatever the case is, is what we want to do for the long term. This is our 10 year plan, basically, when we're in a position of esteem and where we're able to do that, provide opportunities and do great things. Um, as services, we love to, you know, get into management um, and be a management service and a full blown record label at the, when the time's right. Right now, what we do is consultancy, so we can we can do consultancy for individual like artists. other artists. As yeah, well. okay, so. yeah, all, I was thinking that kind and of. And all brands yeah. and where they want to come to us, and we can offer a service and where we can mm-hmm. create a plan for them to go forth and um, map yeah. out. And or if they just want a conversation, we can kind of give some gems and tips of how and when to do things. And of course, the events as well, things yeah. that we want to. So that put night, on. everyone that was there, mm-hmm. were they all kind of like people that? You yeah, know, like everybody, everybody that um, you know I, I knew and you know my friends knew as well, basically. Um, and where and we really wanted to set something where we wanted to begin with the people. We wanted to send a message where it's about you as a, rather than us. You mm-hmm. know, all the uh, artists in which we we got some of them we we didn't even know. Like we put certain stuff out on socials saying people from West London who create art, whatever the case is, get us. And with Gabriella, who was a singer, you know, we only knew her for like, um, I think two weeks and we put her up on there. Jumper, who was the opener, we met him at one industry event. He done it. You know, we got all these different people to come and really perform and really do. I remember I walked in and I was like, oh, the lights are really cool. I don't know. I was thinking about it. It was like pink and purple. Now I literally have pink and purple lights in my room. Maybe I remember there was like money that you guys threw it. Yeah, we done it. We done. We put money in balloons. Yeah. Bring them down and popped it. And, you know, people won prizes, came, came on stage. We really made it about them. And of course, looking back, 
You know, there's definitely more that we could have done in terms of promoting it and marketing it to make sure that there was more people there. But it was such a quick turnaround. We kind of got that done in two weeks. Originally, we was going to have it in an outdoor park somewhere, whatever the case is, unlicensed. But we (laughs) we kind of want to make sure that it's something proper. We want to make sure people are there and we want to do it seriously. So we rented Mm -hmm. out the club for the night, um, got got the people there, got the artists. And of course, you know, this was my, you know, opening where people really got to see what I was about. Some people would have only heard that one freestyle from me, but that time they got the whole performance and you know i really it was weird because i was doing all the controls to make all the lights happen no and way. then it came to me i had to put somebody else there and i performed oh, shit. Yeah, <laughs> man. Damn, you're like... um, and we put it together the mount yeah. e- evening party the three of us and it's a very it's a proud moment and i think that feeling of just having some of my close friends and family there and really putting this thing on, you know, really inspired me just to keep this going. It really inspired mm-hmm. me that, okay, I have something yeah. here, you know, and I really took all the feedback, all the criticisms, all the benefits and thought, how can I make this better? Obviously, we went. I went to this um, open mic at the BBC Introducing Stage um, live thing in, for the, in the Tobacco Dock in East London, done a few open mic performances there, sent it off to this company called Loud in London, basically, who do promotional events. I shot my shot. And they said, hey, yeah, we'd like for you to be on the billing. We're like, what you do, all you have to do is just, you know, sell X amount of tickets. And if you're able to do that, boom. We ended up selling 100 tickets, basically. A big jump from the Mountain Evening Party. We sold, obviously, T-shirts and merchandise at the time as well. Um, And I put on a proper... That was another level, because I added the acting element within it, as you remember, with the skits (laughs) and stuff. Oh, yeah, I saw that. No, because I know you have, like, the Promise T-shirts. And you were trying to sell them. Or, like, the tickets as well. Yeah, Yeah. I promise. So you can... what we began to do is just create a tribe. We began to create a, a family where, mm-hmm. you know, you can identify who's a part of this thing based on what they're wearing. You understand? And, yeah. it, and this is all without me releasing a single piece of music on any streaming platforms. Not to say that I'm proud of that. For me, the reason why that's, that was the case is just because I've been really chasing for the sound. I've been chasing for that right engineer that can get my voice yeah. the way it needs to be on the track for people to really hear it. I'm not trying to put out no half-assed I mean, yeah, it's music. pretty cool too because people clearly still like know your music, mm-hmm. like at like your shows and stuff. Everyone right, like right. sings along and everything, so right, it right. kind of shows like the power of performing right. over even just like bringing it or releasing music. Like, 100%. especially today, I feel like a lot of people start off and they don't release music for a while. Right, a hundred, a hundred, and I think. You know, that's really what my drive was. I mean, that whole Bricks and Jam show, obviously we made it our own, really and truly. Of yeah. course, it was a warm-up. So when it came down to our one, it was like, this is us. And even when I jumped into the crowd at the end and all of that stuff, it was really a movie. And for me, that was a really important performance for me. Because obviously yeah. two weeks prior to that, uh, my granddad had passed away, in it. So mm-hmm. it was like, it was... The build up to that, and he was he obviously lived with us at my our house, innit? Oh, really? So it wasn't like oh, we got a phone call. I was getting ready for work, and then going in the living room, and we found him dead. Oh, you understand? God. Yeah, man. So Jesus. I had to like try and bring him back to life. All of that. He was looking forward to the performance just to see the yeah. footage. Was he like healthy? Like everything? Yeah, I mean for the most part. Yeah. I mean he had like little diabetes and all of that, but I think he had a heart attack, man. It was just oh, he was eighty four. He was old, yeah. but I think it was. And obviously, you know, um, he's got other grandchildren who are in like their 40s isn't it so oh, they obviously yeah. they've had grandchildren yeah, yeah, yeah he's had like opportunity to like and these are like cousins and siblings who are much older than me you know i'm like one of the youngest grandchildren that he no. has yeah. you know I mean? so like it is what it is i was just born late you understand? <laughs> <laughs> where I'm, he wasn't able to be there yeah. to when i went to see me actually make it compared to like my other siblings and stuff where they obviously in their 30s yeah. 40s and whatever the case is and cousins and stuff um, so that really was a sentimental performance for myself and I had to 
you know, do a lot. I had to do a lot within the family at that time, whilst obviously rehearsing and getting this and the DJ yeah, and whatever to put that yeah, together and sell the T-shirts. <laughs> it was it was in, intense. You see what I'm trying to say, mm-hmm. innit? Um, these times I was going through, like just before that, you know, situations with, you know, the girlfriend that I had where we had gone through a breakup and it'd been kind of like messy and stuff. You see what I'm trying to say? So, yeah, it's like when real life gets involved. Yeah. Like your working life. Whatever, 100%. It's hard to balance it out. Like. 100%. And yeah, yeah and something like music which is very soul bearing because you have to be very honest in your music mm-hmm. and this is the thing for the most part i like people to come to the performances and just enjoy it yeah you come you feel the vibe bro row row or yeah. and if it's heartbreak i'd rather with you oh i remember that one. Oh, <laughs> you understand didn't it yeah yeah or, i've been getting litty with the gang like <laughs> wait, you understand yeah saying? you have a lot of different moods yeah, yeah. so different emotions that you try and bring through and i just try and make sure regardless is all the vibe and you really take it but i have some really deep intricate some like real stuff that's coming out and this goes into what's happening into the new year so originally i planned to release this project of mine called the internship in april this is the one in where as you remember from the performance which was called the application it was a whole application for the internship which was going to happen in it so it was a theme that i was i remember it was like Mm. you had little like messages little voice messages i was like hello is that is that yeah uh yeah i'm kind of in a performance right now great this is lorna from make your dreams come to you So right. it was all. And was that gonna be the name of your project, kind of thing? The, the internship, that, right? Yeah. Okay. So, it like was an EP or just like a mixtape. Okay. Yeah. So that happened, but of course it was gonna be released in April. And then all the shit went there. Yeah, man. All of this happened. Yeah, I was gonna say like that. Um, bricks and jam. That was like a few weeks before everything right, got closed down. Right. Like, we're, like we're, little we're, did we know. We proper like started hitting in in terms of March. Obviously February was all the whispers. You know, yeah. March was like, oh, there's a few cases. And then end of March is we're in lockdown. You see what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, and I think there was a few things. Number one, I think it was finance. I needed to work and build up some money to get it, to, to be able to fund the project. Number two was, um, yeah, obviously, you know, the situations with COVID. And number three was I hadn't found that right engineer yet. Now, no. when you do a project, there's a lot that goes into it. You yeah. have to understand and break down the, the actual intricacies of the finance behind it because it costs money, innit? And then you have to see where can I get return on this? And it's mm-hmm. kind of sometimes hard when you're an independent artist where you don't have a massive fan base of seeing where you can leverage yourself, you know? Um, and basically lockdown happened. Um, and it's weird, man. It's because, of course, you know, nationwide and global-wide, it was a devastation as a whole. And I previously worked in hospitality part-time as well, right. doing like the groundwork. Yeah, I saw you made a little coronavirus video thing, or like yeah. what you've been doing during this. Right, so. right. So um, are you still doing that or are you like... Right, no, well, right now that's... Well, so I was doing the hospitality. Yeah. Um, that obviously dried up because of this. Right. And then I was with an agency called Compass and they had two divisions. Oh, yeah. yeah, I used to work for them. Yeah, I so they got, the, they got the Levy restaurants, which is all the right. hospitality. They had Medirest. So yeah, I was basically joined Medirest basically, oh, which yeah. was with um Compass. And I was working in the hospitals, man, as you saw in the video. I was in the trenches. Yeah, I was wondering was, what you were doing. I thought yeah, it was like it was it was for factory money. Factory working. It was it was a, it was a mixture. One was yeah. a food um like factory work for like NHS staff, and the other one was me literally in the hospitals, which were COVID ridden, which I oh had to God. clean the beds and everything. And it was weird, man. I mean, obviously my family didn't want me to do that. You know, obviously the risk and yeah. you know the hysteria, the hysteria rather that was on the news. But mm-hmm. it was like, look, I've got to make this money somehow, some way. You were like a key key you worker then, if you yeah. were like right up and yeah, man. Right. I was like, I've got to make this money, and at the end of the day, you know, I'm not going to ask anybody for anything. And you know, me doing this, 
is better than me doing anything illegal, you know. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, at yeah. the end of the day, you know, money have to make, as, as we say, in it. So mm-hmm. it was like, um, yeah, I was just doing that for months. I didn't stay at home. I stayed, you know, with a friend um, like in Tottenham and I was just there for uh, weeks on end, just working day in, day out, really and truly. Um, and then, um, yeah, obviously everything ended with that and I'm in a position in where, you know, obviously it's crazy that happened and then all of this craziness happened with the whole Black Lives Matter movement in yeah, America. Yeah, this year has been just You see crazy. what I'm saying? And where actually... that, that just swept the world basically yeah. in, in, in some sense and, you know, I was in a position in where, you know, you know, I felt connected to the circumstance, especially, mm-hmm. and for me, it's not so much more so the groundwork, you know, racism, you know, where a policeman does this one thing or whatever the case is. For me, it's more the systemic, you know, side yeah. of things. And me acknowledging, you know, the different stories, you know, especially, you know, through working and where I worked at, I understood the immigrant story even more in where these mm-hmm. are the people who are really doing these, you know, lower level yeah. unskilled jobs. You know, a lot of the, you know, cleaning jobs were, you know, Asian and African immigrants, basically, yeah. um, who kind of gave up on their own hopes and dreams and ambitions and hope that their children can have a better life. Mm-hmm. These are people in their 40s. They have at least 30 years left of life in them if they stay healthy. Um, but they've kind of just given up. And it's like, well, I was like one of the youngest people doing it. You understand, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And it was like, wow. You know, I was really taking it in. It was a life-changing experience, one I've definitely learned from. And I felt yeah. like, you know, with everything that's going on, I definitely needed to speak upon it. And that's when I made that uh, music video, um, Enough. Um, yeah, I <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. What did you think of the video? Oh, yeah, I thought it was really good. Mm-hmm. Because I felt like it really, like, delivered that message of, like... I mean, I love how you, like, have a lot of stage presence anyways, and you can really tell it, like, get it from that yeah. video. Okay. I liked how you were doing it in, like, a basketball court, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah I liked, yeah. like, the, the vibe of it. Yeah, it's cool to see, like, like artists being able to bring out music that has, like, obviously a deeper message. Right. And, like, even your lyrics were all everything that was happening at the time. Yeah. It, like, you, that, I feel like that's one thing that you do. Like, you mm. definitely give across, like, as you said, like, an impact to everything mm. that you do. Okay, so. thank you, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think for myself, you know, the purpose of that because it was a lot oh, of so you did it like you brought it out very quickly as well yeah yeah like, yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, what yeah. i was gonna ask you about actually like how did you how, what was the creative process behind oh, it so what, what what had happened was i had just finished my writing process for the internship so the internship is pretty written up basically now um and obviously this was happening my guys were asking me what is there anything in which you're going to speak on i thought i don't know i don't want to force anything in it so we'll see I went out to one of the marches, I saw it for myself, was inspired, and um, I just got to writing. And I just wrote that in a day, basically, and um, just tried to encapsulate my experience, really yeah. and truly. And just, I was, with me, when I make music, I try to make sure that the opening is good and the ending is good, you know. And if the opening is good, I'm able to start it good. I made, like, for me, if I'm able to start the track, I made the whole track. Right, yeah. It's just the beginning is my only difficult part because I want to make sure it's impactful. So for me, it was like, it's hearing the beat, hearing the beat, I was like, mm, then. Pray for George and for Belly that their soul summer rests and as our souls rest heavy. I thought, okay, that's, that's it. Good. You understand what I'm trying <laughs> yeah. to say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Where'd you I get just, the beef from? Like, you I just got it from YouTube, that one, man. Know. Yeah, that one I just got from YouTube. And I thought, yeah, let me just use this one. This one's a really good yeah. solid one. Um, and that was really what um, I, I went for. And I think because it was very connected to myself, it was easy for me to write. Because mm-hmm. all I had to do is refer back to my own experiences, what I felt and what I thought. And I think I really wanted to display stuff in which everybody could listen to, gravitate to, and really um, understand. You know, yeah. it wasn't anything about me and me as an artist. It was just about this message, which was important. Uh, I think the elements of myself 
that I wanted to put in there. It was just through the visuals. And where you saw me, you saw the community behind myself of people. You saw that I had promised T-shirts as well. You know, and you, sh and you saw a diverse range of people on there as well. Of course, we're talking about one specific issue and one in which I can obviously relate to, but it's one in which obviously you will experience in some way, shape or form. And I just wanted to make sure um, it really went within that. I think for yeah. me as, as myself, you know, I pride myself on three things now. You know, through obviously the whole process, I got to understand myself and what I, you know, um, my staples in life. And there's three pillars of life for me, uh, which is entertainment, entrepreneurship and activism. You know, entertainment is the music and acting. Again, focusing on the music right yeah. now. But the acting is definitely what I'm going to go forth and do um, in the future as well. Um, the entrepreneurship is where I believe ownership is key. You know, this is where we just need to um, go forward and, you know, just be great. Yeah, And it's just like where, you know, I'm just very big on that, basically, especially from the background that I'm from. You know, sometimes, you know, we just exist and we live or, you know, we live in areas and yeah. communities and where we just rent property as opposed to wanting to buy property or be the heads of like companies like Google and this, that and the third. And the third thing is activism. You know, mm -hmm. we live in a, 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 and obviously, like I said, I study economics as well. And, it, and the purpose behind me studying economics is so I can be equipped with knowledge to when I'm in a position of power and impact, hopefully through entertainment, I have the, the necessity uh, the necessities within myself to be able to really effectively do something with a great you know knowledge of it yeah. and this is about you know the betterment of of countries around the world especially those within the african diaspora is what i've really seen because obviously we live in a capitalist world not even a society yeah, right? like because the thing one society might be you know socialist or mm -hmm. communist like china or whatever the case yeah. is but internationally they're competing in a capitalist market and yeah. in that, in the true essence of capitalism, they try and say it's through equilibrium of the market and where everybody gets what they put out and the units are equal, but that doesn't happen. Yeah. The truth is you have winners and you have losers. That's just the way it works. Mm -hmm. And that's the same with the business. You have businesses where there's winners and there's losers and there's people that just exist. You understand yeah. what I'm trying to say? Uh, and it's the same with countries. You have countries which are at the top that are winning and countries which are losing. And for the most part around the globe, you know, countries um, which have, you know, people of the African diaspora seem to be in a disadvantageous um, position compared to everybody else. For myself, for myself, being somebody of privilege compared to other people, especially from, you know, my home island, which is Grenada in the Caribbean, Paul, his, his family from Kenya and as such, is understanding mm -hmm. that obviously we're here, we're able to get educated and it's just using that resource and that knowledge to obviously bring effective change to those countries that need it and that we obviously have ties to and connections to. Mm -hmm. So for myself, it was just really um, built upon me making sure I pushed that as something in which is uh, a mission within my life as a whole. Yeah. And how do I encompass that in the video in of itself where just letting you know, regardless of what I make and what I do, this is somewhere in which I stand regardless. And that's really what it um, is really and truly. I mean, Promise as a whole is built on supporting those who uh, come from minority groups and those who um, are you know, deemed as the underclass to come up and rise up and be great uh, within themselves against all odds, regardless of wherever they where they come from. Obviously that was just obviously uh, an opportunity in where it connected with us three di um, you know, directly and obviously which was current at the time. And um, that's really what it, what it came to. I was really yeah. surprised with the outcome of people that came out and more than, more than not, I was, I was surprised with the response. I mean, you know, the video done really, like I wasn't able to share that because it was like political, politically charged and all that. Oh, I wasn't, really? Yeah, I wasn't able to put out any money or anything. Yeah, I, I saw people literally on um, like loads of YouTubers instead of putting the word racist in their mm. like titles, titles they yeah. were spelling it like or I hate, so like yeah. racist. Yeah, and, like, yeah, yeah. 
it's crazy how that stuff isn't like pushed out yeah, it's like can't. kept hidden on yeah. youtube which is really messed up and it's same with facebook instagram all yeah. of that isn't it so it's like every view every share was organic from people that wanted to do that and that done a lot and across all the different platforms twitter facebook mm-hmm. uh, youtube um instagram you know i think all together it amassed about you know three to four thousand views um, and this is just me just starting off um, from that that frame, and so everything is just a stepping stone, bit yeah. by bit by bit. Yeah, so you have um, to see it like that in a way, like stepping mm-hmm. stones. You can't just get to like, and even if you focus on, like as you were saying earlier, mm-hmm. like it's about like focusing on the journey right. and not just thinking about the destination. Because there's a lot of people that will get what they want and then they'll be like, okay, well, what what next? What and they'll next? never be actually like satisfied mm-hmm. with what they have or what they've actually achieved. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's cool that you're focusing on like every little. Every little tiny step. (laughs) No, most definitely. So, you know, for myself to answer, you know, what my target market is. See, I told you. Oh yeah, I forgot to ask that question. (laughs) You know, to I think I've just recognised it as my target market. You know, as I begin to navigate, I think I'll be able to see them more clearly as I put out some music, basically, Mm because obviously the metrics will show who you know I'm attracting the most. Yeah. But in terms of who I want to. I think primarily from the beginning, I want to say, you know, the youth. I want to say millennials and Gen Z are my target market. I want. I think because I sit on the line between yeah. the two, you I think I have, to yeah, I have the ability and where I'll be able to communicate <laughs> yeah. to millennials at a level mm-hmm. and hopefully Gen Z at a level as well where they all resonate and connect with it to yeah. a high degree. You see mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say? Um, and you know, is there an image behind um, them? Could I say they dress like this and wear this? Not right now. I think, of course, me as an artist and myself, I guess that's something which will transcribe as time goes on, as I begin to film out, film my own, you know, cultural identity, and as that builds and manifests, and as it was represented through the shows, etc. Yeah. I'm very big on letting the, cons- the consumer dictate how things go, as opposed to me trying to dictate the consumer. Yeah. See what I'm say? Yeah, that's the um, good way to be there. And it's just. Yeah. It's really like that, but for the most part, I, I hope that people can resonate with the music regardless of what background or where they're from. I want to have as big of a market share as possible. I want those in the suburbs to be able to really connect with the music and rock out to it. And I want those, you know, who are banged up in prison as well, who are down and out, feel like, you know, I can rise above this situation and come mm-hmm. out of it the same way, regardless of what predicament or yeah. si- circumstance or situation or walk of life in which you come from. You know, you're able to do great things if you apply yourself in the correct way. Um, in that manner and of course i just want to make great music that people don't even have to think too much about <laughs> and they could just yeah. enjoy it but that's cool though because i feel like it, it can be both ways right like your music like and i feel like once you have you have that really strong key message that you want right. to communicate so i feel like the music can come out of that message 100%. then and like hopefully it'll just flow really easily for you 100 yeah. percent. they, they yeah. go hand in hand and this is why you have tunes where for pure enjoyment it's literally with a gang and bro bro <laughs> bro bro and for if you if i want to give you a message it's i'm the chosen one Woo! Oh, yeah, yeah rather being chosen yeah I, I feel like your lyrics I, are, <laughs> I feel like they're catchy like because I'm even when you're singing them now I'm like oh my god I remember yeah, this yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's really it and where I'm at in terms of the near future when people expect music yeah, yeah I mean <laughs> I want to release actually a demo project this month so okay. before the internship um, I, obviously I have that cemented in all the tracks and there's some other tracks which aren't have, aren't going to make the cut and um, wasn't cleared and or yeah just don't fit within the overall theme because there's mm-hmm. a theme behind it so what i've decided to do is release a demo project this month called the apprenticeship okay um and what that's going to consist of is about five to six tracks 
Um, you know, you're going to see the likes of Litty with a gang on there. You're going to see Ro on there. You're going to see, you know, the in, allow me to reintroduce myself. You're going to see Enough on there, um, Rather With You. Um, and there'll just be one new song that nobody's heard on there that just didn't make the cut for the internship yeah. called Dripping In Sauce, basically. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a nice little one. Oh, yeah. um, and that's going to be completely free. We're going to be on SoundCloud and YouTube. And I think it's something I'm just going to kind of just see how people respond to it, see what they yeah. like. There's going to be a little acting element in that. And then hopefully November is when we can release the internship if we're able to record it and package it properly, do the right promo. And that's going to be a 10-track mixtape, basically. Um, cool. for people to really hear and connect with so the apprenticeship is just a demo project just seeing you know what people feel a lot of people have been asking for the tracks and all of that stuff just to give it to them and then the internship the only track on there that people would have heard which would be the leading single is chosen one then other than that it's nine completely new fresh tracks that nobody's ever heard that i've already written up right. some of them are absolutely smashes bangers that i hope that you know people can really just enjoy and I think that's really where I'm at right now. We just take each step as it goes. And hopefully I'm able to, to collaborate with people, create monumental moments. You know, my next step is, I think I've really locked in my support base, mm -hmm. which is people that I know who know what yeah, I do. Yeah, I feel like you have. And they support yeah. that. They want to watch the videos. They'll buy the tickets. I mean, for me to have not released anything and just sheerly of support, being able to have sold 100 tickets, people buy T-shirts. Obviously, this was in December. Now, obviously, growing by metrics and more people that I met, I should be able to do more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a thing in where... And I feel like you started out, like you've only just started out like yeah. what, a year and a half ago? Yeah, and yeah, you've already yeah. done like a lot in that time frame. Mm. So it's right. like imagine it's, what you can do in another year. You like, see what I'm saying? I think, yeah. yeah, it's been a year. It was last August when I released that first, first freestyle. And of course, everything that happened over the past, of the four, the past few months kind of halted things up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm just excited to see what happens from now until next year. It's all about me applying myself and working hard. And I'm sure... I'll get there. I mean, I have eyes watching me who I just want to see what the next step is. And I think for any person, it's just about continuing to deliver. I mean, even within yourself and your podcast, man, you know, this is, a, you know, a really good platform in which you're building for yourself and where obviously people are watching, cool. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are, yeah. Know, I feel like we're kind of in the same mindset, mm -hmm. like, you know, trying to build something. And it's, as long with, you know, as long as the quality is good, where people want to come back for more and they mm -hmm. really enjoy what they get from it, as long as, you know, the consistency is there, they can trust you to provide something for them, yeah. you know, then it's just going to build and build and build and it will surpass any of our imaginations as what can be possible in the most recent time. And as we know, all it takes is one. For you, it could be that one podcast which just goes viral and everybody Different. hears it. <laughs> <laughs> You're <laughs> signing up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. or for me, it could be that one song that does something and hey, now I'm here. Is yeah, it's it? crazy. It just takes almost one little thing mm. and then it's like, boom, like you're out there people know you um what kind of like what kind of creative process do you follow like are you kind of the person mm. that stays up all night like mm. thinking crazy stuff like writing loads of songs right. or are you more like organized <laughs> <laughs> i feel like i'm someone that, like stays up all night like like that's when i get all my creative mm. kind of energy do you know what i say i say i'm a bit of both i think i do make the best songs when i'm either in the studio or when mm -hmm. i'm at home for the most part i make them at home because obviously right now it costs money to actually be in the studio in it so i usually mm -hmm. like to make it with my headphones and my own solitude and I think it depends on the track. If it's a fun track, I can just really hear the beat and just start writing, mm -hmm. finish it off quickly. But if it's a track that needs structure and meaning, I break it down. I break it down like I'm doing an essay. So I do the points of what I want to talk about, what I need to touch on and how I need to deliver it and where I don't miss or mess up on one single word in the whole thing. Yeah, and where you're hearing it and it's yeah. effective. 
you get me? Yeah, it's cool that you're like seeing it as an essay. I never mm -hmm. heard like any sort of musician say like, yeah, yeah I see it, myself it, as an essay. Because I guess it is. Like, yeah. So, yeah. It depends on the track. It yeah. really depends on the track. Like, literally with a gang, didn't take me long. I wrote much of that and when I was in my uni lecture when I was like bored. And I just basically started writing it and I finished it at home and I, boom, I had a lit track where some of the other tracks that are on the internship, which you really get to understand me a little bit better, really know who I'm about, my background, some of the you know mm -hmm. deeper issues or stuff, I really had to attain and give it its attention and its respect. And you know, I think through the samples that I've allowed my friends to hear, I think I've been able to achieve my intended goal through it. So I just yeah. hope that I'm able to resonate with people who don't know me and it just travels beyond what I could imagine in this, this recent time. And I just keep the pressure up and mm -hmm. uh, we just go with, go with it like that. So that's really the journey, man. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's really the journey from... Oh my God, I love how I only had to ask you like one question. It was basically the whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to say, yeah, so yeah. like, say for someone listening right now that wants to kind of do something that you're doing, like mm. get involved in music, like what would be your number one kind mm. of piece of advice to them? Because I like to share some wisdom on the right, podcast. <laughs> you know, what I'll say is, um, I'll say to just do it. And when I say to just do it, I say, you know, if obviously any person wants to obviously do some research, cool. You know, but don't bog yourself down with yeah. it. Don't um, obsess over getting it perfect mm -hmm. because you will find it. And I've been a victim of that sometimes and where it's like, oh, it needs to be this before I can release it and this, that and the third. But enough was such a quick turnaround and that was better than any other thing in which I had done because it was organic, it was from the heart, it was sincere, and I just put it out for the love of the art. I didn't put it out for any other reason, and it just done what I needed to do. So anybody who wants to just start music, whether you're 16 hearing this, or whether you're 28 hearing this, do it, and just mm -hmm. see what happens. You might not be the biggest here right now, but you might be the biggest in the Netherlands or Slovakia yeah. or something. You never, literally, you never know what yeah, can happen you in your life. Know. Do you understand? Because mm -hmm. music isn't just the UK, isn't just America, it's the whole world. Yeah. So the best thing is to, to do that. And where, and obviously enlist help when needed. Understand that, you know, it takes a, 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 a tribe or a village to raise a child. It doesn't, you know, just take yourself, you yourself in that investment, that business need help. Like I needed my two friends, I couldn't do what I'd done without Ford or Curtis and their support, you know, yeah. their finance, their guidance, and us all working as a trio in order mm -hmm. to make this happen. If it was solely myself, I wouldn't be able to do nowhere near as much as what I would have been able to do. All I would have probably been able to do is like a few free sales online or, yeah. s or covers that everybody else does. But I wouldn't have been able to bring the experience right to your face and be able to feel me, touch me and hear this and really embrace this as I've been able to do so. It's really just making sure you have the right people around you. And this goes for anything making sure that you just you begin and begin doesn't mean okay i'm gonna do and put out a song right now begin it is the process of okay i'm gonna buy that mic so i can start this the beginning is okay i'm gonna you know book a studio session and just go yeah the beginning is just starting and it's kind of like investing in yourself like, like that's why i started learning about it. i'm like there's no point in like saving money or like obviously there's investing and like mm. businesses and there's also investing in yourself mm. and like i'd rather spend my money on stuff like this like getting a new mic like right, <laughs> which right. this is the first time i'm using it so i hope it sounds mm. the audio's better guys but um <laughs> yeah i'd rather like that's important to me now i'm like yeah like i want to put my money into those things so right, that way you get started and yeah you're investing in yourself and your future um and that will give you returns yeah 100 100 yeah. this is this is all just putting in with hopefully this this pays out i mean if in five years time i'm in i'm like wireless or glastonbury main stage and i'm getting a million for a show i'm not gonna be i'm gonna look at this and think i made the right decision as opposed mm -hmm. to oh my goodness i spent this amount and that amount you yeah know, if you yeah, believe exactly. if you believe in your own source 
Yeah, you yeah. believe you're, you're it. You understand what I'm Yeah, to you have to believe that you kind of have it before mm. you can actually go and get it. Like, you can't... It's like law of attraction. I don't right. know. Like, I feel like you're obviously, like, into law of attraction, yeah, manifestation and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I used to be, like, so... I used to talk about it all the time. I don't really talk about it as much, but it's like, mm. you can't... If you're in a... If you're in, like, a position mm. of lack, like, you can't attract... Because lack attracts... Like, like attracts like. So if mm. you feel like you don't have something, then you're just going to keep attracting, right. like, not having it. Whereas if you feel like you have it, mm. you'll attract it. It kind of comes to, like, money. If you believe, like, I have money, you'll keep attracting more to you. Yeah, most um, definitely. Most yeah. definitely. So, so I feel like that's kind of really important. That's really amazing. <laughs> and that's why, for me, I think if somebody was to ask what my favorite song is, it'd probably be The Chosen One. Um, just because I kind of flipped it. Before it was youthful arrogance when I was younger. Now it's just motivation and inspiration and where, you know, I hope that when you listen to that track and you're playing over your speakers and you're saying I'm the chosen one as you sing along to me, whoever's listening to that is feeling like that that's them. They're the chosen one within their life to go and achieve and be great in mm-hmm. everything that they could possibly dream of. That's really cool. That's like you're sending them energy through the song. Yeah, <laughs> most definitely. What is something that people wouldn't know about you? I mean, I guess the mm. athletics is one, but anything <laughs> else that like, people wouldn't expect like that to be real? Like. Um, Damn. Like some real <laughs> top secret. Like um, <laughs> share everything on this podcast. Um, oh, I mean, I really. You asked me about the rats thing, and I've said that whole embarrassing story already. What's some random fact about you? People wouldn't know. Um, damn, man. A random <laughs> fact about me. <laughs> I. I'm just trying to think, man. I think I've said so much. Yeah, you, I so mean, I'm, in fairness, like I just learned a lot of things I didn't know about you, so right, I'm sure oh, a lot yeah, of people yeah, did yeah. too. Like. So I'm just trying to think. What would people, I guess, you know, I have a, I don't know, man. I mean, <laughs> What's I mean I've got a birthmark here on my arm maybe or something. Oh, shit, that is very so unexpected. You didn't need to go for some corny, cheesy thing like, <laughs> yeah, hey, I've got this on this. Or oh, I can yeah. twist my fingers like this. Like, come oh on. Oh my God, can you? Are you like double jointed? Like, I am. Um, no, not really. I think there's just that, but most people can do that. that I have like this really freaky thing. thing. Some people are really disgusted by it. I think it's... Damn. See, some people are like, they can't even look at it. I don't um, even like doing it because it's just... Anyway, but... Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm not trying to get no osteoporosis. <laughs> um, what's your favorite things. color? Woo. You know, it's a hard one. I mean, being from Acton, it's traditionally been blue, basically. That's the colour that's been, you know, associated that's with the, the area. But, you know, I'm from, uh, the island I'm from is Grenada, where that's like a red flag. And, you know, I support Arsenal, which Have is Have you red. been there? Have you yeah, been back yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, I was supposed to go oh. there. I, well, I went there last year. I've been there like six, seven times, innit? The no. first time I went there, I was like three months, innit? So I, I know three months the, old? Yeah, yeah. So oh. I, know all the, <laughs> the, 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 I know all the family and everything there. It's yeah. like, that's like home to me as well, you know? So a lot of your family, obviously, are still there. Yeah, there. like half okay, of them yeah. came here basically half of them stayed there i'm talking about like my grandma's generation and stuff so i've got yeah. enough cousins there enough cousins here um and yeah um what's your favorite uh, food food <laughs> i would say i didn't even answer the color one <laughs> you <laughs> said blue blue yeah. ah <laughs> i don't really know you know i think my favorite color is what's the color that i look at and mm. you know what i have to say i think right now i'll settle on my favorite color being um <laughs> probably yellow i'd probably say I love, that's yeah. my favorite color yeah oh yeah I, yeah literally. Cool. so i'll say yellow for now right now that's how i feel really and truly i think when you wear it it just makes you feel like you're shining you yeah know? um food <laughs> i would say oh what is something that i could just eat again and again and again and again <laughs> You know, I could say that, but then obviously... Are you like a very, like, do you eat the same stuff over and over You know over? what? I can be very trained in food. So with me, I do love food, 
but I can train myself to eat the same thing every day. If I say to myself, I'm eating this to survive, not because I need to enjoy this. Yeah. Yeah. So if I'm on a regime and where, okay, I'm on, it's either fitness or I need to save money, I keep it strict. But in terms of food, I probably, I'd have to go with Caribbean food. I have to say, if there was a food that I had to eat for the rest of my life and I couldn't eat no other, it would be that. I don't mm-hmm. think there'd be any other type of, of food. What's so. your thoughts on Tur- Turtle Bay, that restaurant? Oh, oh I actually literally... went there on Friday. Yeah, I only just went there for the first time, like last week. And I thought it was really nice, but I went with Michael Williams and mm-hmm. he's also from the Caribbean. So oh, he was okay. like, this is trash. Like, All right, so, I'll give, you, so, so I'll give you the answer. <laughs> the cocktails are really good. Yeah, I had a cocktail. Two for one. Good. Yeah, I had that. It'd you get good. me. Turtle Bay sponsored mm-hmm. me if you're seeing this. <laughs> anyway. They probably will. And then, what do you call it? And then the... The food, I think the soul food is really good. I had the... Um, like when you have like the fried butterfly chicken and the mac and cheese and all of that stuff. And their soul food is basically American black food. That's what it okay. means in it, yo. Right. I had and the curry, the aubergine curry. The oh, aubergine was it? Thing. It was so know. nice. Like, oh, I don't okay. know if I just need to go to the Caribbean <laughs> or something. But like, <laughs> and then, but I had the Caribbean, the curry salmon and the rice. Now, the rice isn't cutting it. The rice <laughs> is like some Uncle Ben's rice yeah, that they just actually, pinged in it, yeah? yeah? The curry sauce is good, but I'm just going to keep it funky. I'm going to keep it real with you. It's a Caribbean restaurant for white people. Yeah. That's what <laughs> I mean, I knew that when I was there. I was kind of embarrassed. I was like, really thinking it was really good. No, I mean, but... it's, I mean it is, it's good food, but yeah. when you go to a real proper Caribbean shop, it's a different level of quality and sauce because yeah. it's all like homemade and stuff. But Turtle Bay has a place. I mean... You know, it is what it is, isn't it? Like, when you, when, with the owners, obviously the people that own the franchise or the whole company aren't black people, yeah? And sometimes right. black people are like, oh, now we need to own more and we need to do this, that, and a third. I can't blame them for the people who open it. I can't blame them for opening it because it was a business opportunity. Yeah. They saw it and they seized it at the end of the day. And really and truly, rather than, you know, anybody, you know, from our culture, you know, complaining, it's our job to go forth and obviously set up these things. And I think that's just what's happening now. I think obviously that's what our, this generation of mine, ours, you know, are realizing that it's us, us putting our money where our mouth is. Rather than wishing for something to happen and somebody else to do it, we're really putting ourselves in position that we can hopefully create these you know fantastic restaurants because it is a beautiful restaurant the decor is lovely but also give that authenticity through the food as well you understand and making sure that we're doubling up in what we do and how we do things but total bay is a restaurant i don't knock it knock it i know usain bolt has a restaurant 9.559 or something and obviously that's usain bolt so (laughs) i'll definitely check that out soon man so there's 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 progression in all different ways but i can't knock the hustle for for total bay i'm glad (laughs) it exists than rather not exist that's the truth Oh, so you seem to always kind of be doing something. You seem mm. to be like very active, always like very driven since a right. young age. Mm. But do you ever like chill? Like what do you do when you're going to chill out? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what I, do you do in your spare time if you have any spare mm. time? <laughs> I say for my downtime, chill time, I think uh, it's weird. I mean, I watch a lot of videos uh, on YouTube and a lot of it is music related in some way, shape or form. So even if it's something, I've, I'm always doing something, even if it's passively, but just to chill, I think... I like to just go out with friends, man. I like to have interpersonal human experiences. I think it fuels me and helps me to get an insight to create m- music, to yeah. c- tell different stories as well. And really just to connect. Um, I think sometimes, obviously there's times I'm in my own bubble where I'm just really focusing on the music, where this month I've really wanted to put myself out there 
especially with you know me you know about to release a demo tape as well mm-hmm. where I can relax a bit more now that I'm in the process of starting to record that and I yeah. have the structure of what I'm doing and it's all pieced together and the timelines you know I'm able just to really just connect and just call out and, and chill and I think that's yeah. it I'm really a people's person for the most part <laughs> yeah I'll definitely say I just know when it's time to work yeah I know when it's time to work and I know when it's time to play and I know when it's time to chill I think for the most part everybody understands what I'm trying to do Everybody understands I'm not in a position where I can relax. And even when I enter the industry, let's not get it twisted. I have to go even harder when I'm in there to cement myself. This is mm-hmm. a 10 year plan right here to make yeah. myself that legend. This isn't no, hey, I'm a star now. I can buy myself some nice clothes and chill back and relax. This is relentless pressure to take this music to a next level and take this experience to a next level. I started this thing up with me and my few guys. And that first performance was the first performance I'd done as role. And I gave it the energy and I'd done it. You would have thought I was doing this for a while. Yeah, I thought you really you understand? <laughs> I didn't know. The like, December, you just started. You get me? The Brixton yeah. Jam December performance was a level up. I had mm-hmm. better clarity. I added a skit onto there. I came into the crowd. We had our t-shirts. It's only going to go above here. The ideas and concepts that I have to connect the audience and the consumer with the music that I make yeah. is a next level. I want to make it where the, the listener is literally a part of the music and has state as to what music is being made and what they want to hear mm-hmm. and a different level of concepts. I already know what projects I'm going to put out next year after the internship. It's a consistent thing. And if I don't make it, it's only on me and if I have a slack work rate. But if I have that opportunity and I have that good fortune where I have that hit or that freestyle that does something, once I'm in and I'm given that opportunity to really be myself, really shine, I just, my plan is to dominate this whole decade. Yeah. You know? I definitely think you will. Like, I um, definitely think you're meant to be doing this. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah. <laughs> Not no, just I saying did. that because I'm on your podcast now. Yeah, I'm only <laughs> saying that because you're on it, you know? I have to say. <laughs> I have to say it to make you feel good. Yeah. <laughs> no, I actually really do. But um, I was going to say something. Um, yeah, what you're saying about like working with your fans to like come mm. up with the music and stuff. Because mm. I was literally, I only just literally, I don't know if you know Charlie XBX. Yeah, like yeah, a, yeah, yeah. She would like write songs with her fans on live mm. streams and stuff. Right. And like, fin- or Doja Cat did that as well, actually. Right. And like, they've obviously done really, really well. So I feel like that is mm. really good. It's like, part of it, like getting them to like be involved in the creative process. You have to feel, you know, in any business that you have a voice and you have value as to what's said. Therefore, your stake within what it is you know, grows, you feel as this is a part of me. I have an emotional connection to this. If something was to happen to this individual, it would pain me. Mm-hmm. That's how you have to bring people to actually care about something. It's like your favorite restaurant. If that closed down, you're going to be sad about that. If you could possibly do a petition to make sure it stays open, you would. Yeah. You understand? And these are the levels of, of devotion in which you as a brand or business want. But my thing is not, I'm here and everybody, you know, love me or whatever the case is. It's more importantly, I want to give you something to love. I don't want you to just love me just because I'm me or whatever the case is. I want to give you something to love and appreciate mm-hmm. and which you can hold and which isn't mine anymore, it's yours. Yeah, you're like a true artist. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything that I didn't ask you? Um, anything else you want to cover? I think, I think for the most part, I mean, you really covered everything. Um, I mean, I guess just to maybe touch upon, you know, how my different types of relationships are during this time, mm-hmm. you know, what I just say is, you know, it, obviously for me, you know, there's a lot of sacrifices that I made to get to this stage and this yeah. point. You know, sometimes I'm not able to meet up with friends as much. You know, one of the reasons as to why, you know, I came out of a relationship was because I need, I felt like I needed to become more of myself. And this is not in any type of material gain. It's not even like me, you know, being the biggest artist at a given point. But it's mm-hmm. just understanding the values of myself, becoming a man and really transforming myself into pure adulthood from 
transition now into young adulthood going forward yeah. of the pillars I needed to put on myself, man. I was at a point poor with money, man. My money management was bad. I'd make a, you know, especially in hospitality where you could do a week and just make £800 yeah. pound on a good week. You just spend it. Oh, I could just make this again and whatever the case mm-hmm. is. But understanding what's happening, obviously, with COVID, understanding my yeah. poor money management in the past, I really set myself up to become more than what I had before. And I think it's that constant evolution you know, and obviously what it takes for that. And it's really about making sure that I have the right people around me, rather, who can really understand that and where they can respect that and see where I'm going and my, you know, planned trajectory and hoping that, you know, it's all worth it in the end. Like, for me, I see myself, although I'm not an athlete, I'm still an athlete at heart. Yeah, do you still do, you like, any athletic Well, I don't do it physically anymore. I definitely want to get back into a sport, basically. I want to see how fast you can run. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh, man, don't put me on the spot now. Like just because you said, like, I was like, you make me start doing star jumps and burpees (laughs) in the garden, man. (laughs) It was (laughs) It was a thing in where, you know, that, that work ethic of, you know, just working hard and being devoted and being driven is is there. And this understanding that, you know, I'm in season and when it's off season, I can have my time. But for the most part, you know, although I'm an artist and I have flexibility, my friends who have jobs and are only available on weekends and only have 28 days off in a, a year, I understand mm-hmm. it. So similarly, you have to understand my scheduling throughout the year and what, what, what you know, where I'm driven and where I need to go and where I need to be. And the truth is, I'm still finding myself, man. This journey still goes on. You know, this is a journey that's taken five years to get to from stopping athletics. Yeah. Now I'm here. What are the next five years going to be for me? I don't yeah. know, but hopefully it's greatness. That's all I can say. I definitely, I, re- I do believe that. So <laughs> I do. Like, I feel like because you were so driven since you were so young as well, yeah. and your mom really instilled that in you, like you've had that through your whole life. Like, mm. I feel like you're definitely destined for great things. And that was a good ending yeah, <laughs> thanks thank for coming you, on the podcast thank you for inviting me like, yeah so hopefully much. we'll get you to come back yeah like I mean, human time next year at some point yeah, when know, everything's released and like i, I know i rambled on and all that obviously so uh, if you guys have survived <laughs> through all of this and even like the pauses in the video and whatnot <laughs> and well done on you shout out to you man yeah well done guys thanks so much for mm-hmm. listening don't forget to share this um go watch the youtube version of it like it, share with anyone you think will be interested, anyone trying to get involved in the music industry. Mm. And yeah, I'll see you back here in two weeks' time <laughs> for the next episode. <laughs> cool, thanks guys, bye.